In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Glory be to Jesus Christ. I greet you again today from Holy Transfiguration Orthodox Church in Crawfordsville, Indiana. Our mission here is to experience and share the love of Jesus Christ in a, tri in a traditional Orthodox Christian, Christian community growing in godliness. <clears throat> thank you for joining us for this study of uh, the awesome biblical orthodox view of existence. We're basically going to go through the whole of the scriptures and look at all the highlights throughout the Bible and thereby teach and explain the orthodox view of the world, the biblical view of the world, which are one and the same. Just to quickly review, we've been talking about creation, the six days of creation, followed by the seventh day of rest. The first day of creation, God created the heavens and the earth, the light and the holy angels. Second day, he separated the waters above the sky from the waters below the sky. On the third day, he <clears throat> separated the water from the dry land and caused the dry land to spring forth with all kinds of vegetation. Fourth day, he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, set them in motion. And the fifth day, he filled the oceans with fish and the sky with birds of all types. And then on the sixth day, he created animals, land animals, and finally mankind. He created Adam from the dust of the ground. And Adam named all the animals. And when he did not find a companion suitable for Adam, God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he, while he was asleep, he took this rib from, from Adam and formed it into the woman. And she became the mother of all humans. Adam and Eve became the father and mother of all the human race. So yesterday we talked more about <clears throat> the specifically the creation of Adam and Eve and the fall of Adam and Eve and what that meant. And what, how that changed the world and changed humanity. Today I want to basically cover the first children of Adam and Eve, beginning with Cain and Abel, and take that all the way through to about the sixth chapter of Genesis, all the way up to Noah. So let me just read the, the kind of the abbreviated account of that period of history. <clears throat> Adam named his wife Eve, and she became the mother of all who lived. She gave birth to Cain and said, the Lord has given me a boy. Then she gave birth to Abel. Abel became a keeper of sheep, and Cain became a tiller of the ground. One day it came to pass that Cain brought some of his harvest as an offering to the Lord, while Abel brought the fattest and choicest of his lambs. The Lord was pleased with Abel and his offering, but with Cain and his offering he was not content. Cain was angry, and his face fell. God said to him, Cain, why are you angry? Why are you crestfallen? 
Cain made no answer, but later when they were in the fields together, he rose up against his brother and killed him. God said to Cain, Where is Abel your brother? I do not know, said Cain. Am I my brother's keeper? What have you done, said God? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The earth itself, which has received your brother's blood from your hand, now cries out against you. You shall be cursed, and from now on, whenever you till the ground, it will not yield its drink to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. My punishment is more than I can bear, said Cain to the Lord. Behold, you have driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from your face I shall hide. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on earth, and whoever finds me shall slay me. The Lord said, But on whoever, Cain, whoever kills Cain, said God, revenge shall be taken seven times over. The Lord set a mark upon Cain, so that anyone finding him would not kill him. After that, Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, to the east of Eden. And later in the land of Nod, Cain took a wife, and she gave birth to a son who was named Enoch. And Cain built a city and named it after Enoch. From Enoch are descended those who have tents and cattle and those who play upon the harp and the pipe. Meanwhile, Eve gave birth to another son. She called him Seth, for God had given him to her in place of Abel. And in Seth, God blessed, God blessed Adam with a son who resembled his father. Adam lived to a very great age, and Eve bore many more sons and daughters. Thus men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and many generations were descended from Adam and Eve. And in the ninth generation there was a descendant named Noah. Noah was a just man, the best of all the men of his time, and he lived by God's rules. He had three sons named Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So here are the most important points that I want you to take away from this narrative, this part of the history of humanity. First of all, you need to understand that this is a true history. It is not a mythology. It is not a human attempt to piece things together. This is a true account of what happened as it was retold to Moses by God himself. All human beings come from Adam and Eve. And the more that scientists begin to study the human genome, DNA, and RNA, and proteins, and all these things that are essential to human life, the more they are discovering the reality that all human beings descend from these two people, Adam and Eve. The reality is that there really are no multiple races. There is only one race, and that is the human race. All humans can trace their beginnings from all over the world back to Adam and Eve. The reasons we see different skin colors, different facial features, and different qualities is because over the centuries, uh, the generations have, have uh, developed and 
Different traits became concentrated in certain parts of the world and other traits in other parts of the world. And so we have human beings all over the world, many different traits, but we're all human beings. There's no basis for racism, for thinking that any race is superior to any other race. We are all one race, the human race. So the first two children born to Adam and Eve were Cain and Abel. We know that Adam and Eve produced many, many children. It says in the, in the Genesis account that, that he had many sons and daughters. For example, it says, after he begot Seth, which would come later, the days of Adam were 700 years, and he begot sons and daughters. So many, many children were born from Adam and Eve. But only specific ones are mentioned. The first two, of course, Cain and Abel. Cain was the firstborn, and Abel was the second. So then we have the disturbing account of Cain and Abel. There's a lot, of, a lot of questions brought up about this. Cain and Abel brought offerings to God. So it is clear from this act that after the fall, Adam and Eve and then their children had this sense that offerings had to be made to God. They had this deep awareness that things were not right in the world. That they had fallen from grace, the world was different, and there was a consequence for their actions, for their sins. And so we don't know if God specifically directed them how to worship Him through these offerings, or whether it was something that they sensed that they needed to do as human beings, but we know that from this account, that this became part of what it meant to be human, to relate to God by bringing offerings. So Cain and Abel both brought their offerings, and for some reason, the offering that Cain brought was not acceptable to God, whereas the offering that Abel brought was. There are three different theories about why there was a difference between how God received their offerings. One has to do with the type of offering. Cain brought uh, a portion of his crops. He was a farmer. Whereas Abel brought the first, uh, the firstborn and the, and the fatted uh, lambs from his offering. Some people believe that the reason that Cain's offering was rejected was because the God was setting a pattern for humanity that there, there was a price to be paid for sin that required the shedding of blood. Of course, we know that when Adam and Eve sinned, God himself had to sacrifice some animals to make skins for them so that they could cover their nakedness. So this is an important aspect of, of our anthropology that we are fallen human beings and that we have to 
find a way or a way back to God, and their price has to be paid for our sin. There are deep, deep, dark, monumental consequences of our sins. And God set up a pattern for them to flesh out this reality through the sacrifice of animals. Another theory is that it had to do with the quality of the sacrifice, that perhaps Abel brought the very best that he had, whereas Cain just brought a portion of whatever he had without really making sure it was the very best. Third uh, theory is that it had to do with their attitude, that, that uh, for some reason Abel had a very uh, good and pure heart and loved God and brought his offering out of that love, whereas uh, Cain perhaps brought, brought it begrudgingly or without sincerity. All these, these three theories are all speculative, and there is some evidence for each of them in the Holy Scriptures, both in the Old, Old Testament account of Genesis, and as well as in the New Testament references to it in the New Testament. But none of them can be completely verified as the reason for why Cain's offering was rejected. A fourth reason that I believe really is very solid is that ultimately God is sovereign over creation and over the world and over humanity. That God chooses what he will accept and what he will not accept. And this does not mean that God is capricious or, or just does anything out of whim, but that he has certain laws set in motion that he adheres to that we don't sometimes don't understand. And so we have to, in some cases, we have to simply just trust in the sovereignty of God and accept his will, accept his verdict, so to speak. So Cain, when his offering was rejected, he was very downcast and sad. And God, the Lord, confronted him and said, why are you downcast? And he said some things to him to kind of nudge him towards responding to this tragedy or this disappointment in a helpful way. Let me see if I can find the passage and I will quote to you exactly what he said to him. <clears throat> so the Lord said to Cain, Why are you extremely sorrowful? Why has your countenance fallen? Did you not sin, even though you brought it rightly, but did not divide it rightly? Be still. His recourse shall be over you, and you shall rule over him. So God speaks to Cain and says, he indicates that there is something wrong here with how this offering was presented, and he, and he is confronting Cain, hoping to bring him to repentance. But there is no response from Cain listed and mentioned in this narrative. No response from Cain. But here's what happened next. Cain followed up this disappointing episode with God. He came, it says, Now Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. So clearly Cain 
Something in his heart was not right. He didn't respond to God's correction. We need to take this as a warning. When things happen in our lives that we cannot understand, even if maybe we are not clear that we have done something wrong, but the circumstances in our lives seem to indicate so, or, or for example, if you're married and your spouse finds fault with you, and yet you don't really see what your fault is, it is much better to be humble, to acquiesce, and to, to seek God for his wisdom and guidance how you may correct yourself, even if you don't understand what you've done wrong. It is better to be humble and repentant in any situation than to be proud and to be stiff-necked. Because this is exactly what happened to Cain. He just followed up one sin with another even greater sin. He rose up and killed his brother. This is the second really clear sin we see in the, in the Bible. First, of course, was Adam and Eve disobeying God. It's the second one is, I guess, the growth, out, outgrowth of that, the fruit of that, of Abel, of the Cain killing his brother, being angry against his brother. So God said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? He replied, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? So we see for the first time this phrase, am I my brother's keeper? And that is a, a phrase that um, people are very familiar with. The answer to that question is yes, we are our brother's keeper. We are responsible for our brothers and sisters and the people around us. So we should never reply to that question, no, I'm not, am I my brother's keeper? When God asks us why we've not done something for someone, why we've not met our responsibilities, we should never reply, I'm not my brother's, my, I am, am I my brother's keeper? We should reply, yes, I am my brother's keeper and I will do something. I will do what I'm supposed to do. So we then we have this dialogue between God and Cain, and Cain is uh, cast out of, from where he's driven out, from where he's living, he has to become a vagabond and ends up in the land of Nod. Then Cain does something very interesting. He finds a wife, and this wife he finds is one of the most famous wives in the whole world. Because everyone is asking, where did he get his wife? Where did he get his wife? Well, the answer is, answer is very simple. Adam and Eve had many, many sons and daughters. <coughs> the only ones mentioned are Cain and Abel, then later on Seth, who I'll get to in a minute. But they also had sons and daughters, and typically in the Old Testament, in the Jewish tradition, the daughters were not mentioned, unless there was something very specifically important about that daughter. And we will find, in, as we study the Bible, there are certain daughters that are mentioned, especially in the genealogy of Christ. Very important daughters that are mentioned, and we have stories about them. So Cain found his wife from a sister, basically. And another objection to this is, well, why isn't that considered incest? 
Well, at this point in man's development, this was not, uh, there was no taboo about this. Obviously, this was the only way the human race would procreate and expand was through the children of Adam and Eve. Also, we, there was, there, Adam and Eve were created perfect in their, in their genealogy, in their, uh, their DNA, their genetics. So there, there was no great harm in brothers and sisters having other children together and, and uh, not, no concern about the genetic mutations that would develop from that. It was only much later in man's history that this becomes an issue. And of course, in the nation of Israel, when God reveals the law to Moses, there becomes certain prohibitions about who you can and who you cannot marry. So that answers that question very clearly. It talks about the different descendants of Cain. But after Cain had killed Abel, God did give Adam and Eve another son that they specifically named. His name was Seth. And the name means to be instead of or as a replacement. So they named him Seth because he was replacing Cain. And it is through Seth that the promise of God that if the seed of the woman would eventually come who would save the world. So the genealogy of Christ can be traced through Seth. It says something very interesting about Seth when he was born. In chapter 5 it says, this is the book of the Genesis of mankind in the day God made Adam, whom he had made in God's image. He made them male and female and blessed them, and the day he made them, he called his name Adam. Now Adam lived 230 years and begot a son according to his form and image and named him Seth. So we see in Seth the image of Adam, who was created in the image of God. And so later on, the descendants of Seth would be called the sons of God, whereas the descendants of Cain would be referred to as the sons of men. And the fathers of the church believed that the sons of God who came from Seth were distinct from the sons of men that came from Cain. <clears throat> so we have in chapter 5 a very long uh, list of those who descended from Cain and then also actually in chapter 4 the descendants of Cain in chapter 5 we have the descendants of Adam all the way up to Noah I want to conclude with one final mysterious story this is one that has caused a lot of confusion and distraction among people who read the Bible. And that is the account of the sons of God who took wives for themselves. It says, Now it came to pass that men began to exist in great numbers on the earth, and daughters were born to them. 
So when the sons of God saw the daughters of men who were beautiful, saw the daughters of men were beautiful, they took wives for themselves of all they chose. The fathers of the church interpret this to mean that the sons of Seth, who should have stayed put and continued to marry those who were from that line, they looked and saw the sons of men, which were the descendants of Cain, and that they were very beautiful. And the fathers of the church speculate that these women were not as modest as the sons, as the daughters of Seth, and that they dressed in a provocative way, and they tempted these sons of Seth. And so they married with them, and this would explain what this verse is about. Many people have speculated that angels came down from the sky and invaded with humans and created these Nephilim or these strange giants, these creatures. But the fathers of the church reject this speculative idea and it's, it's more of a, akin to mythology than anything. The reality is that what we see here is the mating of the sons of Seth with the daughters of Cain. So this is the narrative from, from the beginning, the day of creation, all the way through the creation of Adam and Eve and their first children, the many generations that came after them, all the way up to Finally, a man named Noah, who was 500 years old and had three sons, him, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. So tomorrow we will look at the calling of Noah. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, glory be to Jesus Christ.